This episode of Market Foolery is brought to you by TD Ameritrade. Not a fan of being surprised by hidden fees? Well, at TD Ameritrade, they charge just one straightforward price and give you everything you need to trade. No hidden fees, no surprises, and you can learn more at tdameritrade.com/pricing. Member SIPC. It's Wednesday, August 21st. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio, it's Minnesota's favorite son, Seth Jason. Thanks for being here. Next to Kevin McHale. Yes. Yeah, you're on the Mount Rushmore of Minnesotans. And what's her name? Uh, uh, Michelle Bachman. And After those two? And Bob Dylan. Then, and Bob Dylan. There you go. Then it says, I might be above Bob Dylan. Uh, fun fact, Bob Dylan and Kevin McHale from the same town. Hibbing. Both well, from Hibbing. Bob kind of kind of came from outside Hibbing. Oh, the, the suburbs Zim. of Hibbing? Zim. It's the boonies outside. Uh, rumor has it, my one of my best friends growing up, his mom lived next door to Bob uh, for a while, maybe when Bob was in Hibbing, and that they were childhood playmates. Right. Ginny. Right now, any listener who is a Target shareholder is like, enough with the Minnesota stuff. Tell, <laughs> tell us about the Target. Let's talk about the Target. And we will. We're going to dip into the full mailbag. We're going to talk 401ks. Uh, but the day does belong to Target because shares are up 19%. I saw. When's the last time that happened? Never. This is the single biggest day the stock has ever had, and the, Target went public 52 years ago. What is this? The Silicon Valleys or what? Exactly. This is just Target. Everybody, come on. Well, you you tell me. Their second quarter, everything was amazing. Their profits and revenue were higher than expected. Their same store sales beat. I mean, this this was a monster quarter. Pretty good. <laughs> it's nineteen percent. Pretty good. Nineteen percent. Pretty good. Yeah. Um, comp looked pretty good uh, for a giant company that's not growing a ton, right? Online was was good. Um, up thirty four percent. I saw, and that's that's down sequentially. But a lot of that is the kind of buy online, pick up in store. Which is uh, a fun thing that uh, Home Depot and others are doing, right? The Walmart. Um, so Target isn't alone in that, but it is pretty handy, and I'm starting to like that more and more because a lot of times you just you want to go to Target and you want to buy the 15 things you always buy at Target, but do you want to walk around Target even if you kind of like Target? Not every time. Um, so that is good news for them. It brings people brings people by. Maybe they will stop in the store. I happen to be clad right now, uh, and this goes to the comp. <laughs> This this beautiful shirt, which is, no one can a, see, but me, is a Target special. Can you hear the zipper sound though? Let me yeah. do that again. There, thank, there we go. Thankfully, I'm happy to say. Hey now, this is a rated G show. He's zipping back up. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's because I did that because Essentials Beauty and Apparel comped at five percent according to the uh, call, and uh, Baby Intimate Sleepwear and Performance Active Wear. And I have to say, as somebody who I've got high end Under Armour stuff. And and I have my favorite stuff to wear running is from this uh, small company called um, what are they called now? Uh, Having a senior moment? Yeah, the one in Falls Church. Ah, why can't it? Why can't I remember? Anyway, they're they're a small running store chain. Their house brand running gear is super great. The, the shirts last me like ten years. They're awesome. But anyway, I like Target's uh, performance apparel too. It's pretty good. Uh, was it C9 or something by Champion? It is good stuff and it's super cheap. Like this shirt was eight bucks. I get shorts for them that are you know equivalent to forty dollar Under Armour shorts for twenty bucks, and that's one of the reasons uh, Target is doing well. As far as the stock price goes, you know, uh, it's at an all time high. All time high. The multiple is is getting a little pricey as far as I'm concerned. Um, I guess I understand why it moved to where it is today. I don't know that I see it, you know, 
zooming up from here because we're still in a, talking about a company that's not going to grow a ton. We're going to you're getting like GDP growth out of Target probably, right? Uh, unless they can, you know, do a little bit uh, as far as profitability goes, but I'm not sure how many levers there are left to pull there. Um, I think that's true. Although I think that this is a quarter that demonstrates uh, how well Target is executing, and to sort of widen the lens a little bit, we've talked a lot about retail lately on this show and on Motley Fool Money. And this really is one more data point in terms of uh, there are retailers out there who are executing well, and then there are ones who just aren't. And, and tar- then there are malls. Yeah, and Target is in the category that's executing yeah. well. Yeah, they they do. You know, the one I see is in Merrifield Town Center. So that's uh, for those who aren't from this area. That is a kind of hip bustling. Town center, which around here basically it means sort of mixed use, like you imagine New York City were it up to date, but 50 years ago. In other words, like six story buildings with commercial stuff on the bottom and nice apartments and and condos above. So there's a lot of a lot of activity on the street. Nice stores. You've got Lululemon. They put in a new Barnes and Noble. When have you ever seen that before? Foot traffic there is incredible. Target was one of the anchors that brought people in there. So I go to that Target. It's always pretty busy because it's in the middle of a very hip location. But that is one of the advantages that Target has. They're willing to do that, and they're seen as sort of a step up in style terms from a Walmart or a Costco, right? They're not just I mean, the nearest Walmart to me, I have to drive out to the part of Fairfax where suddenly it turns from D.C. metro area to, wow, I'm in the country, and this is a dirt road. If I take a left turn, literally, you're on a gravel road after half a mile. So, that's the difference with Target, and that's an opportunity when you have people with money living in more urbanized areas. Let's move on to Lowe's. And uh, yesterday we talked about Home Depot. Today, Lowe's second quarter was strong. Profits and revenue higher than expected. Same store sales were actually a little bit better than Home Depot's yesterday. Shares of Lowe's are up 10%. And I, I'm not knocking Lowe's. I just look at this quarter and go, I, this does. This seems like a good quarter. But I'm a little surprised the stock is up 10%. Yeah. But then again, I was surprised that yesterday Home Depot was up when. Uh, they were warning about what the rest of the fiscal year was going to look yeah, like. Yeah, kooky things happening. I like to call Lowe's the Blue Home Depot, right? <laughs> <laughs> they uh, they really um, well, it's it's Blue Home Depot with much lower profit margins, right? Um, so uh, this this is a decent quarter for them. They've been trying to turn it around. Maybe it's just uh, that people were still expecting them not to do all that great. Three point two percent comp growth. That was mostly ticket uh, value growth. Uh, the transaction growth was was not. Was not huge. It was like 0.04 percent or something. Online growth only four percent, which stands out to me as, hey, that's an opportunity to do better. Which is a nice way of saying, boy, that's not so great compared to everybody else, right? Gross margin was down slightly. Operating margin up 98 basis points. That's good news. And I say that because I'm looking. I'm going to show this piece of paper to the microphone so you can all see it here. This is my spreadsheet full of interesting charts. And if you looked at this, you'd notice that. Uh, Lowe's margins are like two-thirds or, or so of, of Home Depot's margins in terms of uh, operating profits. And so, that's both the uh, the problem and the opportunity, right? You read uh, some analysts saying, I think Lowe's should be worth 140 bucks a share. I thought, really? Well, I modeled it out. If you Within two years, if Lowe's got to Home Depot's operating margins and you discounted those earnings by 12%, which is what I kind of do, then yeah, the shares would be worth somewhere 145 bucks in today's terms, uh, or the five-year price target would be. But that's a 
that's a hard thing to do. So can Lowe's continue to improve from here? Probably. Are they going to reach Home Depot-like margin levels? I don't know. That's that's not a given. And in the meantime, the stock is trading at a much higher multiple. So uh, good for Lowe's. Not sure I'm a buyer at this point. Um, but it's always better to see a company doing well than to see them stinking it up. Uh, absolutely. And Lowe's uh, on the call did discuss uh, one of the things that came up on Home Depot's call yesterday, which was the the lumber cost and sort of the impact on the business. And I think to your point about their margins, I mean, Home Depot's got that much greater footprint with um, contractors mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to just folks like you and me walking in and out of the store just looking to. Yeah, fix something. and and I'm too ignorant about their segment margins to know how much the the effect is there. Uh, to just give a little more detail on the quarter, according uh, according to management, they said that tools, appliances, decor, hardware, millwork, which is you know the the fancy the fancy wood you buy, did better than usual. Along with deck chairs, everyone seems to be doing great with outdoor living. Uh, it's a hundred some degrees <laughs> out everywhere in the country. I can't imagine why everyone's buying deck chairs. Maybe it's the umbrellas that are selling. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to get deck chairs, you definitely need an umbrella to go with that. <laughs> and a fire extinguisher. Uh, quick shout out to our woman behind the glass, Heather Horton, uh, who just uh, sent me a message on Slack. Potomac Running Company. That's not the one I'm thinking. Oh, that's not the one you're thinking. No, of. but that's another. We have a couple of great small chains in the DC area. The one I'm thinking of is nationwide, and I'm still. Basing on them, but anyway, it'll come to me uh, tomorrow. <laughs> once I was going to say, once or we leave the, in the studio. shower, or maybe during my run today. Uh, quick shout out to TD Ameritrade. There's no ROI on TMI, and that's why TD Ameritrade created a learning experience that will actually learn with you, curated from their vast library of exclusive content. It customizes to fit your investing goals, interests, and needs. So you get exactly the information you need and none of the information that you don't. Get started at tdameritrade.com slash education, member SIPC. Uh, before we dip into the full mailbag, uh, one other story of note. This week, Tesla CEO Elon Musk announced a solar panel rental program. Uh, also this week, Walmart has filed a lawsuit in New York State against Tesla. Walmart is alleging negligence after Tesla's solar panels, which were installed on seven Walmart locations, uh, caught fire. Yeah, actually, they have them installed on on something in the hundreds of locations. Seven of them caught fire, and then they, I believe, they said we looked and we don't like the way the uh, the the hookup looks on some of these, so we don't use them anywhere anymore. Uh, not very happy. My suggestion. I don't know if Elon listens to us. I doubt uh, some it. Of his fans. My suggestion is that if you're going to do crummy work, you, you do it at Chris Hill's house and not on, right. on Walmart's roof. Right. I don't have an army of lawyers, yeah. whereas Walmart probably does. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you burn down Chris Hill's house and put his family out in the streets, probably nobody cares. Walmart, they're going to notice. They got some lawyers. Uh, our email address is marketfoolery at fool.com. Question from Roy in Tel Aviv. Wow. He asks, is this a good time to invest in stocks? The reason for asking, many experts assess that a recession is coming. It's always a good time to invest in stocks, isn't it? Come on. Uh, and the mean, reason is, brain teaser, the reason is, go on. Is we have no idea where the market's going to go, right? Yesterday, it was going to keep going down. A couple days before, that was going to keep going down. It's bouncing around back and forth. Nobody knows anything. No one knows if there will be a recession. Well, there will be one sooner or later. Nobody knows the timing. Nobody knows uh, 
if the stock market will go lockstep with a recession. Obviously, markets and uh, economies are different things. Although, when you have a recession, you tend to see the stock market plunge because companies aren't doing as well. So, the short answer to that is, is yeah, you should always be investing uh, in a measured pace in companies you like uh, for the long term, so long as you've got money available. Um, because you cannot time the market, you cannot time recessions. If anybody could, uh, we'd know about it, right? Doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's right. And and you know what we do see. I mean, he's right about the fact that it seems like there's a growing drumbeat, or certainly an increasing number of people who are saying, eh. yeah. There are different indicators that point to a potential recession. Um, but yeah, along with that, what you get in the financial media is so and so goes on TV or gets quoted uh, in the press, and they got it right one time. Yeah, they got it. You know, never mind the fact that they keep calling for it every six yeah. months, uh, but you yeah. know, they get the credit for that one time they called it. We've been going. To, we've been going to have a recession here in the U.S. for the past ten years, right? That doesn't mean I would say the past like seven years because yeah, we we actually right. we had an actual recession ten years ago. Yeah, but everyone said it was going to get worse, right? So nobody was buying at the bottom then, and so uh, everybody kept looking for the the next leg down after that. And yeah, these uh, we will get one eventually, but you don't know where. So I, I would argue that probably there are heightened risks now. Uh, but you don't want to say to yourself, "Now I know for sure," because five years ago I thought. There were heightened risks, and I didn't stop investing. Luckily, or I'd be <laughs> I'd be sitting on more cash, looking very sad. Question from Patrick in Iowa, who writes: I'm 17 years old. I have a long-term internship at an industry-leading company, and this week is my one-year anniversary. So my company will begin matching 100% of my first 3% and 50% of my next 2%. So my question is, what percentage of my income should I invest in my 401k? First of all, kudos to Patrick. Good for him. Seventeen. Seventeen. An amazing head start. Way to go, Patrick. Um, I mean, well, second of all, where in Iowa? Because I've been almost everywhere in Iowa on Ragbri, which is this big bike ride where ten thousand people sweat their way across Iowa every summer. And so I've probably I've probably driven my bicycle right past this guy's house by now. Um, the answer to that is, uh, I believe, if you've got it to spare, as much as you're allowed to put in, pack away the maximum that you can or the maximum that you are allowed, uh, no matter what the match, because every buck you put in now has a lot longer time to grow into more bucks. And so I think that's an easy one, and that goes for everybody out there. Pack away as much as you can, and uh, you probably won't miss it. Once it's out of your paycheck, you stop worrying about it. That was you just reminded me. That was uh, when I was a little bit older than Patrick, and sort of had in the situation of oh, this is my first opportunity to contribute to this type of plan. And I remember my older sister saying, "Max it out." And I, you know, because it was my first real paycheck, I was like, "Well, I, I don't know. Like, I, I like having money. I, at least I think I'm going to like having money because yeah. I've never really had it before." And and that's what she said to me. She said, "You're not going to miss it. You're going to adjust your living style to whatever your 
take-home pay yeah. is max it out, and it's one of the best things I ever did. Yeah. The other thing is, once you have a pile of money, you start um, a strange thing happens, to, at least to me, and I've seen it in other people and in my kiddo. You start to not to want to spend the money because you're like it's like Mr. Burns when somebody <laughs> hands him a dollar or says he could do something. He says, "I think I'd prefer to keep the dollar." I forget I forget the context, but you stop wanting to spend this money. So, say you've got a hundred thousand bucks saved up, and you think to yourself, "Wow, I could buy a really sweet, you know, I don't know, Mustang convertible or something." And you look at that pile, and you think about how long it took to get there, and you think about what it means to you. It means you're not worried about your retirement. It means you're not worried about whether or not your current car breaks down. You're not worried about any number of things that can happen, and that to you becomes worth more than new stuff. So there's more than just the financial logic of watching this grow for a longer period of time. There's the change that I think will come uh, from the discipline itself. So there you go, Patrick. I say from time to time that we have the best listeners, and one of the reasons I love our listeners is emails like this, where it's like, oh, we got a guy in Tel Aviv. And we got a teenager in Iowa. Yeah, and, and Patrick, yeah, get a hold of us because I need to know uh, if we're going through your town next year on Ragbri. Do you think Patrick wants you coming through his town on a bike, sweating like that? Iowans love Ragbri. Okay. <laughs> the one and only Seth Jason. Thanks for being here. Mm-hmm. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Heather Horton. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.